Hello, it's Robert Bathurst here. I was one of the first guests on My Time Capsule, and Mike has asked me to tell you that you can now listen to the podcast ad-free by subscribing to Acast Plus. Details of how to join are in the description of each episode. Mike says it's very reasonably priced. In fact, Mike says it's a bargain. And who am I to disagree? Locked here in his cellar. Anyway, for a small subscription, Acast Plus, My Time Capsule, ad-free. Free. Unlike me. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, I'm Mike Fenton-Stevens, the host of My Time Capsule. Now, I just want to point out that this episode is a conversation between two comedians and therefore inevitably leads us to Barry Cryer. This episode was recorded before Barry's death, but we thought rather than remove this part of the episode, we'd leave it in and hope that it acts as a tribute to the great comic genius that was Barry Cryer. So I hope you enjoy it. I'll be back in a minute when I'll say hello again. Bye. Hello, and welcome to My Time Capsule. I'm Mike Fenton-Stevens, and in this podcast, I ask my guests to reveal the five things they would choose from any time in their life that they want to preserve in a time capsule, hence the title. They can pick anything, but one of the things they choose has to be something they rather regret or wish they could erase from their past. The other four are things they love. My guest revealing his choices today is the comedian, actor and king of the jungle, Joe Pasquale. Although it's quite a while since that happened, actually. Joe has toured in his own show many times and appeared in The Nerd, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, Mel Brooks, The Producers, The Wizard of Oz, Doctor in the House, Spamalot as King Arthur in the West End and on tour, and most recently starred as Frank Spencer in the play based on the TV series Some Mothers Do Have em. Joe has hosted his own ITV and audience with, was the host of The Price is Right, starred in Dancing on Ice, has taken part in Celebrity Total Wipeout, he's appeared in five royal variety shows, as you'll hear in this podcast, and even bared all on ITV's The All New Monty, Who Bears Wins, for Stand Up to Cancer. But as you'll hear, Joe never really stops. He's always trying new things, like writing horror fiction or painting, and even inviting me to his house on one of the few occasions recently where that was possible to talk about the five things he'd like to put in a time capsule. And loads and loads of other things. Hold on to your hats. Here's Joe Pasquale. 
shall we start then? Yeah, let's start. And let's he's start. very relaxed about it. He's very chatty, isn't it? It is very relaxed yeah. and very chatty, and like this, really. Yeah. I basically say here we are to talk about the five things you put to go in a time capsule, and you've got more than five. I've got fucking loads, yeah. <laughs> okay. Just start then, love. You can start with what you hate, or you can start with what you love, whatever you want. Oh, I think it's difficult to... Uh, to Because I hate all of them, and I love all of them for different reasons, really. Mm. So, you know, there's a thin line between love and hate, really, isn't there? Yeah. It really is. Yeah, I sort of love you. Yeah, sort of, but you sort of hate me as well. <laughs> I to. Okay, I think the... Um, the hate one is very, um, you know, I don't like to go to parties, soirees, as they call it, I don't mm. hate it, hate showbiz parties. I never caught it depressed, I don't go, you know, no. opening nights, none of that. Bollocks, don't want it for me, it's not for me. I'd rather start and watch Netflix. But whenever I see a volivon, it makes me it makes me gag, I have a gag reflex, just on seeing a volivon, <laughs> I dip on a volivon, right? And there's a story, every time I see it and it's go, oh God, and then I can't get the vision out of my head either of what happened. I was doing a summer season. I sound I said like Danny LaRue when I said I was doing a summer season in 1964. <laughs> With darling Bernie and lovely oh, yeah. Johnny. Oh, yeah, there is, yes, a stage door Johnny's. <laughs> so I, I was, I was, in actual fact, I was with Jane McDonald. Right. And she was massive at the time. And mm. um, I had to go and meet the mayor. As you know, on these summer shows, you have opening night and then, especially in the seaside towns, You'd have the local gentry there. Yeah. And they'd have a, you know, a sausage on a stick around the back afterwards. And uh, the mayor was there, and he was fine. Everybody was fine. Loads and loads of people there, different councillors and a couple of local press. And the mayor was chatting to me, and he said, my wife's a huge fan of yours. Would you, would you say hello to Would you come say hello to my wife? And <laughs> Patsy. She's lovely. You'll love my wife, Patsy. Please come say hello to Patsy. <laughs> so I said, yeah, where is she? She said, well, she's normally at the buffet. She likes her food. So I went, okay, so of course there's this great big biffer. I'm going to say biffer now. Great big biffer at the, <laughs> at the, uh, at the bathroom. I've heard biffer for years. I mean, not. No. she was massive, this woman. Right? And I shouldn't say, but she was. There's no way of getting around it. She was. She was like, <laughs> you couldn't get around her? Oh, no, no, she was a roundabout. She was. She was, <laughs> she was, she was a large lady, and but she liked the food, which is fair enough. Anyway, she's over there, so come and I'll take you over, and I'll leave you with her. So I hate it when people leave you. I've got established a relationship with him. Mm. Nair's going to leave me with his wife, and I don't know what this is going to be like. Don't know her. I know him. I've been with him for five minutes. I can deal with him. He's fine. But Patsy, don't know anything about Patsy at all. So anyway, I go over there, and uh, he, he takes me over. There's Patsy, and she's, oh, she's like, oh, like this, oh. <laughs> and she's got a plate full of stuff piled up, and paper plate, and because it's paper, it's not supporting what she's got on the plate. <laughs> and it's all coming off the edges, and she's losing her crisps, and the peanuts are coming off, and the sausage is kind of a bit of cheese and pineapple. She says, oh, don't lose that, it's my favourite. <laughs> and she's not even talking to me, yeah? she's just saving the food, right? <laughs> it was like Titanic, she's there, and she's like, yeah, it was like Rose and Jack. Pump. No, no, come back. And she's eating away as she's talking to me. And I just telling about how much she enjoyed the show and what telly show she's doing, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And she's spitting, she's doing Derek Jameson everywhere. And, <laughs> and it's all going. And then she starts eating the volivant, she's talking to me. And she holds a volivant up to her mouth. And I hadn't noticed it before, but I noticed as she's held it up to her mouth, I noticed there's a hair. It's a big hair on the volivant. I thought, oh, no. Mm. She eats this, and she's going to gag on it. she go, oh, and it'll be like having a furball. I'll have to do the high neck manoeuvre, and I could see it all <laughs> panning out in front of it. No, I can't let her eat this one. I've got to stop her. And I went, um, before you eat that, Mrs. Mount, uh, there's a hair on, on, on your... And as I grabbed it, and as I grabbed it and pulled it, her top lip came away with the hair. <laughs> <and> I, <laughs> 
and, uh, and I thought, oh, no. And then and the look of shock on her face, right? And she put the plate down like that and just put a hand over it like that and then ran away from me. Oh, no. So I, I never, I can't look a vulva oh, no, in no. the face ever again. I'm not surprised. Because yeah. we all know that experience. You miss a hair. Yeah. You know, particularly as you get older, you miss yeah. a hair, and before yeah. you know it... It's like dental floss sometimes. You <laughs> yeah. put it down. I get one right in the middle of my head. Sir. Did you get that one at all? I get ears. Oh, I like get ears. ears. I did my ears this morning, strangely Yeah, me enough. too. Yeah. My barber, right, yeah. he's, he's, um, he's Greek. He burns mine out. He actually gets a big light, like a big cotton bud, and he dips it in, obviously, some sort of spirits, and he sets fire to it, and he sticks it in me, and it burns a little bit, but and afterwards it smells like... Like crackling, obviously, because it's, in, it's me. Yeah. Because they reckon we're the closest thing to pig anyway, don't they? <laughs> he does burn me sometimes. Does he? Yeah, it goes a bit close there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so that's my first thing anyway. Is, is well, it? it's a horrible, horrible yeah. story. I'm glad that you I, got that out of the way. That's the one I don't like. Were there any others? I mean, I know you said you don't like all of them to an extent. Yeah. There's bleach. Bleach? Bleach. Why? I like bleach. Like, I like it. I like it. I like some of the bleach, but... Once again, it's uh, it's not even bleach. It's um, what, what do you put in swimming pools? Um, oh, chlorine. Chlorine. It's chlorine, but it's always bleach to me. It's still bleach. So this is a good thing to keep because I like the smell, but it leaves me with a bad memory. Right. Does that, that make sense? So yeah. where, where did it go? Do you keep it? Uh, or do you get rid of it? I don't know. We need a special compartment for your yeah. time capsule. Yeah. The sort of maybes. Okay. Well, I've got a few maybes, but we, we won't do them all. <laughs> we won't do them all today. But this one, I auditioned for the same job that you did nearly forty years ago. Do you remember what the show was called? Comedy Wavelength. Comedy Wavelength. You was in it with Paul Merton and... Josie Lawrence. Josie Lawrence. Sam Kidd. He's still working, Sam, isn't he? Uh, no, Sam's dead, but I think... Uh, no. Jonathan Kidd. Jonathan, Jonathan Kidd. Sorry, Jonathan. what's yeah, the matter with me? Yeah, it's Jonathan. John's still working, though, isn't he? Yeah, all the yeah. time. Yeah. Massive does an enormous number of voiceovers. Oh, I did. I love doing voiceovers. Listen to this. This isn't an interview time capsule. Can I tell you something? Yeah, go on. Diversifying. <laughs> um, I did quite a few voices. Well, I still do it every now and then, but... Um, I went for one uh, for a teddy bear. So I don't know what the teddy bear cartoon show was. I did it. I spent like an hour and a half doing the whole pilot thing for it. And at the end of it, the bloke went, could you do it again in a, in a deeper voice with a northern accent? <laughs> so I went, no. He went, why not? I said, because I, I can't do a northern accent and I haven't got a deep voice. Why don't you get a bloke from up north who's got a deep voice? Because <laughs> I'm from down south and I've got a high voice. He went, yeah, I might have to do that then. Right, great. Well, I've sat there for an hour and a half doing this. What's, what's the point of getting you know what I sound like? Why do you want me to do a northern accent with a deep voice? I don't know, I thought it would be a good idea. No, well, it ain't, so just get a bloke from that north. And I didn't get the job, obviously. But I remember um, I did a nappy advert, Pampers, and with Bob Hoskins. And normally, if you go and do your voice and there's two people in it, you do your bit and they drop in the other person. You don't, you don't do your bit in the same studio at the same time. They do wherever they are in the country. Mm. Well, I get there and they said to me, oh, Bob will be here soon. I said, what, is he coming? So I went, yeah. Brilliant. And he'd just done um, uh, a movie called Beyond the Sea about the life story of Bobby Darren with... The man who can't be mentioned. That's the man who can't be mentioned, Kevin Spacey. Yeah. We just mentioned him. It was a great movie anyway. It was a great movie, yeah. Stuff. It was yeah. great, and Bob was brilliant in it. The whole thing was a great movie. And so, I'm with someone that's a really big, you know, A-list. You'd like to have some sort of relevance to talk to them about something, rather than talking about the long Good Friday from 30 years ago. Yeah, no. You'd rather talk to them about something they've just done. Yeah. So I thought, this is great. I've just watched this this week. I can talk to them about this. It'd be great. Anyway, he comes in and, uh, all right, like that, oh, like that. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, just like he'd eaten razor blades as he comes in. Do you know I mean? His voice is so gravelly as he comes in. And they introduce me, Bob, Bob, Joe, Joe, Bob, Bob, Joe. And, Bob, and I said, oh, Joe, yeah, yeah, yeah come on, let's go and do it. <laughs> so we go into the studio and we're sitting at the table opposite each other with the mics and we've got the script. And uh, he goes, is this it? Is this, is this, is this my, 
my script mate, you know, what I've got to say? So I went, yeah, he went, oh, all right, yeah, well, you know, okay, so this is my first voiceover. This is Bob's first voiceover. No. Yeah. Um, uh, Terence, uh, uh, Terence, big actor from the same era as Bob. Bit of grey hair. He was in the, he was in the Superman movie with Christopher Reeve. Uh, yes, I know exactly who you yeah, mean. Right? Stamp. Terence Stamp, right, he said. We did it eventually. Right, we got there in the end, it's yeah. going to be like this for the next four hours. <laughs> so Bob says to me, this is my first one. Terence, my mate Terence, no Terence, do you? So I went, Terence who? Bob, he went, Stamp. So I went, Terry, so no, I, I know who he is, obviously, I don't know. You don't know him? No. Well, he said to me, I should get into voiceovers. So uh, he does loads of them. Anyway, he said, yeah, that's why I'm, that's why I'm here, because uh, it's a load of good money, isn't it? It's for you. Yeah, yeah it's for him, yeah. He really, Terry Reeves is great, mate. So anyway, it's my first one. Anyway, so Bob comes in, he gets the script, and he goes, yeah, Terry got me, he said, I should do this. So uh, I had, all the, I had all, the, all the dialogue in it, and basically we had to watch this film of two babies. One was about three, and another one was about nine months old. And the nine months old baby is in a high chair, and I'm the older kid, mm. uh, making a little tea party and giving cups of tea and all that market. So I'm doing all the dialogue. And Mummy says, if we eat up our greens and drink our tea, and now get up in the morning and have our breakfast and have a good night's sleep, we'll grow up to be big boys. How do you feel about that? <laughs> and then Bob's line was, Hey! <laughs> and I go, Mummy says, if we get up in the morning and have our, have our breakfast properly, have our porridge, and in the afternoon we have our good tea, and then we have our, our, eat our greens and all this sort of stuff, we grab be big boys. What do you think about that? And Bob's line was again, Hey! <laughs> and, and so we're doing it. He goes, This is what I've got to say. And the director on the window comes from the antenna and goes, Yeah, that's it, Bob, that's what you've got to do. Right, okay, well, uh, we're ready, ready for a take then, right. So I do my line. Mummy says, We get up in the morning, we do this, eat our, eat our greens, we'd be big boys. And Bob don't say nothing, he looks at me, he just stares at me. So there's a tap on the window and the director goes, OK, Bob, that was your line. He went, sorry? He said, you didn't do your line. He went, was that it? Well, should I do it then? He went, yeah, after Joe does that. Yeah, sorry about that. Sorry, we'll do it again. Yeah, so I go, Mummy says we get up in the morning, we get have our breakfast and we have our greens in the afternoon. Oh, we're grabbing big boys. What do you think about that? And he stares at me again. He went, Bob, that was your line. He went, yeah, I know. So is there a problem, Bob? He went, yeah. He went, what is it? He said, it's him pointing at me. I went, what? He went, you're putting me off. <laughs> I think he was, I went, sorry? He went, it's your voice. It's putting me off. Because when I work, as you know, it goes up a bit. I go, so I'm, do, I'm not doing it as this way. I go, Mummy says, when we grow up, we grow up. Because he'd not heard that, he'd heard me talking like this. Yeah. And I go, Mummy says, we grow up with a big voice. He thinks, why is he doing that right? voice? And he went, he said, he's putting me off. So he went, why is he putting me off, Bob? He said, because I've never heard that sort of voice come out of a geezer before. I've heard it come out of a bird, but I've never heard it come out of a geezer. Can we do it again? So went, um, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, you want Joe to do it again? Yeah, so yeah. Mummy says we grow up big, big boys. So I, and he went, I'm sorry, I can't do it for him in the room. You're going to have to go, son. And I had to stand out just so that Bob could go, hey, and that was it. <laughs> and he was really nice. So then about six months later, I'd get a job, Garfield 2, Taylor 2 Kitties, with, uh, uh, oh, uh, I can't remember, who played uh, Garfield? He did the voiceover. Bill Murray. Might, so I'm doing Bill Murray, all this sort of stuff. And wow. I get a call from my agent, uh, so you've got a part, you haven't got audition, they've got a part of the mouse. Uh, Claudius the Mouse, um, Bill Murray's doing that, and Bob Hoskins is doing the Bulldog, and it came from Bob. And you couldn't even be in the room with him. He said, I know a bloke who sounds like a mouse. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, funny, isn't it? Um, I don't know where we've got on that subject. We've got don't worry, so it's a good job you didn't say to him, well, fuck you, mate. <laughs> yeah, but it's Bob Hoskins. You you're not going to do that. You, you, if anyone's going to send you out the room, it's Bob Hoskins. Yeah, yeah I did. Um, I did. Uh, I had a, a part. This has got nothing to do with the thing. Right, right, me still talking? Yeah, it's all go away. Um, Oh, God. Oh, what's his name? Okay. Oh, this is uh, age creeping in there. Who was the... Uh, he played Jack the Hat McVitie in The Craze. 
No. Oh, oh, right. He's, he played the Russian baddie in... See, I know what film he's in. <laughs> yeah, he played the Russian like. baddie in, in Octopussy. Got a mole there. Yeah. Real scary actor. British actor. Got a bald head. He's, a, oh, he's very like that. What's his name? You know what I mean. This is great. This is really interesting for anyone. <laughs> right? They all Googled it already. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're waiting for us to remember. Yeah, I know it is, yeah. He played the Russian... <laughs> right? Well, he's always playing a mad monk as well. He's a... Oh, Oh my god, I you, don't know. You know what I mean. I don't well, know. Google it, right? Go on then. Right, okay, okay. Google it and I'll edit it and make it sound as if we remembered. Right, okay, well, no, it don't matter. Just put it, I don't care. I'll have to Google it. Okay, uh, uh, Russian, Russian um, baddie. Should I put Russian baddie? What Russian did you say? Baddie. Octopussy? Baddie, octopussy. Right, octopussy. Yeah. Right, is. There he is! <laughs> there he is! <laughs> there he is! Oh, yeah, you know. Um, Burkoff. Burkoff, Stephen. Stephen Burkoff. Seems to get there in the end. Yay. So, this is great, this is. So, um, a friend of mine called Alex Giannini, I don't know if you knew Alex at all. No. I did the producers with Alex, right? He played the German, played uh, in that. Mm. So he phoned me up out of the blue one day, he went, listen, Joe, I've got, um, I've been doing uh, On the Waterfront with, uh, with Steve. So I said, OK, Steve? Yes, Stephen. Stephen who? Burkoff, who do you think? <laughs> well, I don't know. Do I, Steve? <laughs> I didn't know you called him Steph, didn't know you knew him. Yeah, I'm on, I've been on the road, I've been in Canada, I've been in America, and now we're doing the West End in London. And uh, he's doing um, a play called Bible Stories. It's like four or five different stories from the Bible. Uh, he's written and rewritten them in contemporary language, uh, it's a bit like Sopranos type thing. Mm. And he wants you to play uh, David in David Life. I'm playing King Saul in it. So everything's about 15, 20 minutes long. Uh, he's a little segment, so he, said, uh, he wants you to play that. I said, No, I am. No, I don't know you are at all. Well, that's what me to play. It's what I've told him about. You've got the job. So I've got to go to an audition. Now you don't get audition. Job's yours. Wow. He, he's uh, going to direct it. You know, it'll be great. Yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah, yeah. It'll be great. Steve, I love you. So I'm shitting myself. It's Stephen Burkhoff. Yeah. This is Burkhoff. Um, he's famously fierce, isn't he? Famously fierce, right? Yeah. So, of course, we go around and he's going, oh, Steve this, Steve that. You know, he's a great pal now. And I'm like, oh, he's been on the road with him for 18 months. I've never met him. I just know he's a Russian <laughs> bloke in the plane that, 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 that Roger Moore kills at the end. <laughs> like that. Oh, you can't right. take your eyes off his mole. I can't, no. <laughs> I really can't, though. And, of course, yeah, he's got this reputation of being such a scary fucker. Yeah. So, of course, um, uh, I go to the studio with, with Alex and uh, knock on the door there. And uh, he opens the door and he's dressed like Rasputin, the mad monk. He's got this uh, shawl on, a rope belt, and he's got um, like fried tuck, a like, mix between fried tuck and Robin Hood. It was the whole thing. He had <laughs> socks and sandals on. It was just weird. <laughs> and he opens the door and he, and he goes, oh, Steve, how are you? I said, all right, Alex. And he doesn't even look at me. He just looks at him, Alex. He goes, points at me, but looks at Alex. He goes, is this him then? He went, yeah, it's a Joe. Joe, this is uh, uh, Steve. Uh, I went, oh, nice to meet you, Mr. Burkoff. Yeah, yeah, whatever. So I go to the studio in, in the East End of London. Yeah, I was sitting there, I went, all right, off you go then, off you go then. So we start reading it, start reading the script, mm. and he's written it in contemporary language. So and my opening line is, so he's a big fucker then, is he this Goliath bloke? <laughs> and you go, yeah, yeah, but you can take him down, you'll be all right, you know what you're doing. It's yeah. a bit like Sopranos, East Enders meets the Bible, that's what it is. <laughs> and Stephen Burke has written this, so um, and it's, his, it's his words, I'm reading it, and I'm doing the dialogue, and he, he lets us go for about ten minutes, and after about ten minutes, he stops me, he goes... I'll stop you there, son. So I said, yeah, yeah, of course you can, Mr. Burke. Is everything right? He went, yeah. See that voice you're using there? So I went, yeah. He went, have you got another one? <laughs> and I went, what? He went, you got another voice you can use? So I went, to be honest, um, no, I haven't. This is what I sound like. He went, 
what, all the fucking time? <laughs> and, and Alex goes, yeah, 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 it's, it's him, Steve. You know, I told you he was a bit off the wall, you know. And, yeah. blah, 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 and, so, and, uh, and so they're having a chat about me as if I wasn't... You know when we go out with your dad when you were a kid and they start talking about you? Yeah. And you're just... Well, that's what they He's doing. grown, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's that, yeah. Oh, he's, oh, you're such a clever lad, you know. It's all that going on, right? <laughs> they're ignoring me totally. So I went, excuse me, Mr. Burkhoff. He went, shut up, son. The grown-ups are talking. Right? <laughs> so I went, fair enough then. And I just sat there, he went, right. Start again, but this time, try and be odd. So I went, okay. Anyway, I did it. He went, well, if that's what we're going to get, that's what we're going to go with. So on the night, we did the, did the, did the show, and the audience pissed themselves. It was great. And, he, and afterwards, he comes up and he goes, I didn't know you were that fucking funny. Like that. So <laughs> I just, just do that. So I went, okay, great. And it was great. He was, he was, he was he right didn't recognise the fact that it was funny. No, I don't think he knew it was funny. I don't think he knew, because he didn't know who I was or anything like that. So then there's a second part to that story. Yeah. Second part of that story is... Sadly, Alex dies um, a few years ago, and then his wife phones me up, Jenny. She was married to Alex, but her dad was uh, Harry Seacombe. This was Jenny Seacombe. So Jenny phones me up and said, look, um, would you help with the coffee on, on the day, and would you like to do a speech after? Because oh, yeah, okay. Alex, you know, he, he thought the world of it. She said, yeah, of course I would. So we've got a couple of people. Uh, Terry Johnson, you know, the director. Uh, Terry Johnson's going to speak, um, you, and um, Burkhoff. So I went, oh, <laughs> So I said, well, the, the story I could tell was about me and Alex and Stephen Burke, but I can't tell it if he's there. But please tell that story, because it's a lovely story. It's so funny, oh. isn't it? So I went, oh, if you really want me to. So I said, right. I said, well, I think we're doing that. He's put Stephen on first, then put me on, because it's funny, and then put Terry on, because Terry would be emotional about it. I said, OK. Yeah. So Stephen gets up and he goes, yes, Alex, what a great fucking actor he was. He's fucking, he grew up that, tell the truth, plant his feet, tell the fucking truth. He's Alex's favourite poem. Maybe that's his poem, mm. if it was. Uh, and that's it then, he fucks off. Of course, I start telling the story and, and, and Burkhoff said, I'm shitting myself now, Burkhoff's <laughs> thinking. So I'll talk, tell him about Alex and about our relationship generally. So one of, the, one of the things that really sticks in my mind about Alex was when he got me a job, we've actually with Mr. Stephen Burkhoff, who was just up and spoke. And I, I need to tell you, regarding with this story, because um, this is the thing that always reminds me of Alex more than anything else. So um, I don't know if you remember this story, Mr. Burkhoff, that's what I say to him. And he, and, and he sits there, he goes, I don't even fucking remember you. Like that, right? <laughs> so, of course, I go over to him at the end. I thought, I'd better apologise for telling that story. And so uh, I go over and say, Mr. Burkhoff, I'm really, um, I hope you don't mind me telling that story um, because, uh, you know, it's, it's the thing that reminds me of Alex most of all. He went, no, 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 son, don't mind at all. Don't mind at all. The thing is, uh, he said... You, you're quite a good storyteller, aren't you? You're quite a good fable teller. So if I was you, I'd forget about the fucking acting. I reckon you should try some stand-up comedy. I think you'd be quite good at that. Because <laughs> like, he had no idea, Stu. He had no. no idea. So I went, yeah. And then, of course, everybody ran and pissed themselves. And he's going, what you laughing at? What yeah. you fucking laughing at? Because he didn't know who I was or what I did. No. So I went, yeah, I think I might try. I'm going to have a go at it. But then, then there's a third part to that story. <laughs> the third part is, I go to, uh, this sounds a bit posh, this. It's not, because I hate the place. But only because my, my agent likes to go, the ivy. If we ever meet in town, we meet the ivy. Yeah, okay. okay. And of course, you go into the ivy, everybody looks over their shoulder, see if anyone's. Who's that coming in the door? Mm. And I ate it. But of course, mm. I go in there looking for Bob, my agent, and he's over in the corner, and I can see Stephen Burkhoff there. And to get to Bob, I've got to pass Stephen Burkhoff. And I think, oh. And he, he looks up, see who's coming in the door, and he looks, he sees me. And you can see in his eyes, there's a little bit of recognition. Do I know this boy? Do I know this, I know this boy somewhere? He doesn't know how, but you can see in his, in his yeah. face. I know this boy. And I can, I can see that in going on his eyes, thinking, oh, and I think, do I say hello to him? He's been like 
three, four years later. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I went, oh, do, I, do I say hello to him or do I just ignore him, blank him? You can't blank Burkhoff. But if you say, ignore, if you'd say hello to him, he goes, who the fuck are you? And you feel really stupid. <laughs> so I thought, oh, I'll just wait, wait and see. If he makes eye contact with me as I go by, I will. So I'm sneaking by the t- edging through the chairs, and he looks up at me. You can see his recognition in his face, but he's not sure where. So I thought, I'd better say hello. Went, hello, Mr. Burkhoff. Nice to see you again. He went, yeah, nice to see you. Who are you? So I went, <laughs> Joe, Joe Pasquale. I said, Alex Giannini? And he went, oh, yeah, how is he? And I went, oh, oh no. he's still dead, really. I still dead, yeah. yeah. he went, oh, yeah. And that was it. So, oh, no, that oh, was it. No. So I've never seen him since. Well, he's, I think he's all right in his little bubble. He is in his bubble. Mm. Can I tell you a story about Barry Cryer? Yeah. He wrote the best sketch for me ever. I was doing, I don't know what the programme was doing. He said, and he was writing some stuff for me on it. He wrote me the best sketch. And if I remember right, he said, all it is, very simple, because I think Barry Cryer's a genius. Mm. Absolute, he's, written, he's written for everybody. Everybody, when you, yeah. when you go back to Kenny Everett days, even before, you know, the Frankie Howard's all before yeah. that, so much before that. Unbelievable, the people he's written for. Well, we, 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 we move on to that subject in a little oh, while then, yeah. Okay. So, so he wrote this sketch, great sketch, Barry. It's basically you playing chess with a dog. You're sitting there opposite a dog and there's a chess board there. And what, uh, what we do, he said, the, the dog is looking at the board, right? And you're looking at the board and you go to the dog, it's your move. And then it just keeps looking at the board. And then he goes, your move. Are you going to play it? It's your move. I, I, I see what you throw up and get, do that gambit, the opening gambit you had there. But if you do that, I'm going to take that and take that. <laughs> so it's entirely up to you what you want to do. I'm not, not telling you what to do, but it is your move. We've sat here for ages now. And so if you don't mind hurrying it up, because uh, I've got things I want to be doing. So just uh, <laughs> make your move, will you? And you just talk to waffle onto the dog, get him to try and make his move. Uh, and in the end, the dog just wipes the whole board off. He just goes to the board and knocks it all off. And you just go... Uh, I really hate bad losers. And that's it. That's, that's what it is. So, um, so how do we get the dog to do this stuff, Barry? He went, are you fucking stupid? So I said, no, what? He said, well, we have a trained dog. So what, you train it to play chess? No, no, you just, what, you t- train it to lose? What? No, you just train it to knock the pieces off. <laughs> I said, well, how do you train the dog to knock the pieces off? Are you fucking mental? What, what? He said, what do you have to do? He said, the, the trainer stands behind you and you just put a biscuit underneath the board but you let the dog see that you put the biscuit under there and that's what you did put the biscuit under there right? and of course the dog sees the biscuit and, wait, and all wait, it does wait. yeah, all it does is stared at the board that's Brilliant. all it did it stared at it for about 10 minutes Brilliant. but it just stared for him staring at the biscuit but in, on the shot it just looked like he's staring at the board. It, it was a, a most amazing piece. And of course, when the bloke did put his finger down the dog went to the biscuit just knocked everything off and I really ate bad losers and that was it Oh, that's just, amazing. Yeah, but he, he had the whole concept. It just came to him. I've got an idea. And it came to him in like a few seconds. Has he ever rung you up? No, he hasn't. No, 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 he's given his number. He goes, it's a joy. The phone rings and he goes, that's here. You know, it can be months and months between yeah. them. And then he, he says, how are you? And I say, fine. He says, oh, I was thinking about it the other day. Anyway, so um, this, uh, this two old ladies in and he tells you a joke. He rang me up a couple of weeks ago. And he said, Barry. Yeah. I think it must be his latest joke. He's just trying it out on people, seeing how it goes. He said, two old ladies sitting at a bus stop. One looks across the road and she says, is that, is that the Archbishop of Canterbury? And the woman says, I don't know, looks like him. Go and ask him. So the woman goes across the road and she has a chat to this bloke that she comes back. So the lady says, well, what did she say? He said, he told me to fuck off. She went, oh, God, now we'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great joke. Isn't it a great joke? That's a great joke. And I would, wouldn't surprise me at all if he'd just written that joke. Oh, that's wonderful, isn't it? Somebody told me one the other day, I thought you might want to slip it into Panto. How do you think the unthinkable? 
With an iceberg. Oh, that's lovely, isn't, isn't it? That nice? yeah. That's really lovely, yeah. yeah. Are you allowed to do that with um, people with um, any speech impediments anymore, though? Oh, I think so, aren't they? They find it very amusing. Well, hopefully they do. <laughs> you could talk about fat women. <laughs> you could do all these things. That's right. It's all fine now. Of course it is. Yep. Okay, we've got about bleach then. And, yes, um, okay. What was the other bleach stuff? and chlorine. Chlorine, that was it. Chlorine. Yeah, I love it, but I hate it because of the story involved in this. When I first started after I didn't get the job with you 40 years ago mm. I got a job I thought what else I want to be in show business what do I do I became green coat for Warners a place called Coulton because no kids it was adults only oh. so adults only means you've got no kids it was old age pensioners basically mm. and one of my duties was also lifeguard as well because we had you know but uh, the indoor pool we had an outdoor pool and an indoor pool and you didn't have to be able to great swimmer because it was only three foot six as long as you were taller than that <laughs> you could be the lifeguard because yeah. you didn't have to swim it was only three foot six so you'd have to sit there for like, over the week you had to do six hours of sitting there whatever it was and because um, it was only three foot six, there were signs everywhere saying no diving, no mm. diving allowed, no diving. Because you're three foot six, you bang your head straight away. Yeah. And, you know, after a few days of being on holiday, people, you get to know these people that were on holiday for that week. And I met a guy and uh, he had a you know, glass eye. One of his eyes was, was um, glass eye. Uh, if I remember right, it must have been the glass eye, which was on the right hand side. Because he comes in, he's quite a tall, laconic bloke. He's in his 60s and he's walking about, you know, he's, he walked like the Pink Panther. Do you remember that Pink Panther? Yeah, yeah. Like? And he's quite gangly like that. And of course, he's walking about and he's just walking around the pool, round the pool, round the pool, and he dives in. I think, oh no, he hasn't seen it. Yeah. And his glass eye was on the right, which is the side where he's not going to see all the signs are. Yeah. So I go and left. I dare say if he looked out the other side of the pool, he might have seen it, but he didn't. He was being pretty. too laconic. Yeah, absolutely. Of course he was. He was too mm. cool. Dives in, bangs his head, pops up, he cut his head, and he pops up out of the water like that. And what he doesn't know, he banged his head, popped his glass eye out. Oh. His glass eyes come out. And, of course, everybody's screaming now. They're all screaming, oh, oh, And they're all getting out like it's Jaws out of the water. You know that scene in Jaws when they're seeing the shark? They're all getting, oh, no, he's lost an eye. And everybody's expecting to see his eye floating about. And he's going, what's the matter? What's the matter? And I went, your eyes come out. He went, oh, oh, yeah. And he feels it. Oh, yeah. So, of course, there's no one in the pool now except for this bloke walking about like Cyclops, right? He's just got one eye. And he's only trying to find it. Now, already he's only got half a chance of finding it because he's only got one eye. So he says to me, you, do you want to, I don't suppose you give me hand. He said, yeah, yeah, cool. So I jump in and I go, what colour is it? Well, it's the same as that one. So <laughs> and, I, uh, and it was blue. So it's blue. And obviously the, the colour of the swimming pool, invariably, is always blue, isn't it? Yeah. Well, the swimming pool is always blue. Uh, the, the light of the bouncing off the water, we can't find it. And every now and then, you feel, oh, found it. And of course you kick it, though. That's what you do. You dive down there, you can't see it because all the, the water, you can, the light, and you, you can't, the more chlorines in your eyes make your eyes get sore. And I kick it a couple of times, and oh, no. And eventually I found it, I found it. And he said, don't kick it, don't kick it. So no, I'm not. And what I did, I put my foot over it, and I've got it between my toes. <laughs> it between my big toe and my long toe like yeah. that and I thought right, okay if I just get that there and I got you wedged in there I went I found it, found it. He went, don't lose it don't lose it I said no I won't lose it and I got it and I stuck it between my toes and I lifted my foot up because I was younger I could do that out of the water right? yeah. I lifted my foot right out and he said yes that's the one so, well of course that's the one there's not going to be more than one glass <laughs> eye is it and he grabbed hold of it I kid you not he put it into his mouth sucked it and then popped it back in his eye like that. I went, there you go and he walked up like the pink panther again like that um, so that's, uh, that's wouldn't one. have been extraordinary if, in fact, if you brought it up and he'd gone no that's not that's, that's not, not the one, one. That's that's not no. Yeah. yeah, so bleach and... Bleach, yeah. chlorine. Yes, just yesterday, coincidentally, I stepped on something last week at a swimming pool. 
and uh, and it, it pierced my foot. I had to go to A and E because no. I got infected. And then yesterday it was hurting a bit, so I thought, so uh, I'll take some paracetamol. And I went to take the paracetamol that I always take, which are in sachets. I went to take them out the drawer, and I said to my wife, "Is that all we've got left of these?" And she went, "Of what?" I said, "These paracetamol." And she went, "Are they paracetamol?" I said, "Yeah, they are, aren't they?" She said, "Do you ever looked at them with your glasses on?" Oh no, what were they? They were chlorine tablets. No. <laughs> It's sanitising tablets. <laughs> you don't need a colonic for you. I am as clean as oh, anything in no there. No colonic for you, Sam. No. That's fantastic. And it had big warning signs of it. Do not ingest. <laughs> I don't know what ingest means. No, so. I don't know. Just, it means you probably can take them, then I Yeah, can, probably, yeah. You'd yeah. be all right yeah. that then. <laughs> oh, yeah, so the smell of chlorine. Yeah. So what chlorine that. tablets useful? Just cleaning... Cleaning babies' bottles and things. Why would we have them? Oh. No Why? Wow, that's amazing. All right, so that's gone into the time. How many have we done so far? We've put two things in, really. Yeah, we've got lifeguard there. We've got this polyphon stuff. So the bad one and a good one. That's a good yeah. start, though. Right, OK. Right. <laughs> I've got one here. It's a good one, this one. Yeah. OK, we're going to take a short break here for some adverts and maybe even a sponsorship message. But we'll be back with Joe very soon. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back. Let's find out what else Joe Pasquale wants to put in his time capsule. Yeah, I think this is a good one to keep because um, it's a good memory, mm. uh, is uh, ventriloquist dummies. They scare me. See, I like things that scare me. I love being scared. It makes you feel alive. So parachute, have you ever done parachute jump? No. I've done three now. I love it. I could do it every day of the week. Really? I love it. You see, the first one I did was in the jungle. You know, it was 17 years ago I did that. I'm a celebrity. 17 years, that's 17 ridiculous. Years, right? and, and they strapped you, strap you to a bloke, right, that you've never met before. Yeah. Uh, and we did, I think it was three miles we did. And uh, uh, it was scary as hell. Really, really was scary as hell. And you strapped it, and the thing is, you're on the front, that's it. You're on the front, mm. and the bloke's on the back. You're like, you're like the turtle, he's like the shell. And you go up on the plane, and he's a big 15-stone Australian bloke. 
and you sit on the front, you sit at the edge, there's a big shutter that comes up on the side of the plane, and then you have to put your legs over the side, you dangle over the side, right? You, you're like a little kid on mm. a high chair, you'll sit there, and he's behind you on his knees, and you're like, you're like a human octopus, you've got eight, eight you know, limbs <laughs> yeah. there, right? And then you're gripping on the side for grim death, and what it'll say to you, it'll say, uh, okay, what are we going to do? We're going to go out, we're going to just, all you've got to do is take your hands off the side there, we're going to go on three. I want you to remember to breathe on the way down. Breathe. A lot of people forget to breathe on the way down <laughs> because the air is forced into your lungs yeah. and some people pass out because they forget to breathe because the air pressure is coming down. You're doing 120 miles an hour, you know, and the best way to remember to breathe is to scream. So don't worry about it, I'll be screaming. Because if you're screaming, <laughs> yeah. then the air's been forced out and it's been forced back in. You're screaming again. So just scream. That's the best way of doing it. Yeah, of course. And that'll be it. So, okay, and you do tumble out, so you let go. But they always say we do on three, and they don't. They always do it on two, because on uh, three, people still grip on the side. So you go, so you grip on the side, let go, you let go, it goes one, two, and your body is you literally just go grip, and you don't. So on two, they go, you go, oh, shit, we've gone. There's nothing you can do about it, right? No. And I, you have to, I do, you shit yourself. You see the ground coming up at you, 125 miles an hour. You've got a 15 stone Australian bloke. And you realise that, you know, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die with him on my back as well. <laughs> I'm going to get right? really squashed. Yeah, that's not going to be good, this. And as you're going down, it went through a cloud, and then, of course, you're soaking wet, because it's just moisture, it's just rain up there, and held in the air. And you come and you're soaking wet from the other side of it, and then we come out, but no one noticed, because I was soaking wet anyway. Yeah. And then you drop for about two miles, and then it, it, it's the worst feeling in the world, where you slow down to, like, 28 miles an hour without the canopy. And the, the force around your gussy, you go, oh, my God. <laughs> You know, I had a high voice before I started, but when then that happened, the reduction in speed, you, you got no... Does it feel like you're slowing down, or does it feel like you're going upwards? No, what happens is, it feels like you're, you've come to a full stop, 120-odd miles an hour. Yeah. Even though you, you, you lose 100 miles an hour in a split second is what happens. Yeah. So the force of that is on your gusset. You, you know, it almost <laughs> pulls your hips out, it does. But in saying all that, I've done three of them, I love it. I do it, I do it every day of the week, which mm. is where I come back to being scared. I like going on... Um, roller coasters, really scary ones, and mm-hmm. watching really good horror films. I like shitting myself, basically. <laughs> it's a bit weird, isn't it? But ventriloquist done this, have always scared me. I did, I've done I've, about 30 years of, of uh, CSE tours. Did you ever do CSE tours? You know what CSE tours? Yeah, I know what they are. No, no, did you ever do any? No. Right, well, CSE, as you know, is combined service entertainment. Mm. So when I was, it was great because I, I saw the world. I went to, um, I went free tours to the Falklands. Wow. Uh, so you basically entertain the troops going all over the world. I went to Ascension Islands. I did uh, Northern Ireland. I went to uh, Shetland Islands, Belize a few times. Iraq, Iraq was a scary one. That was yeah. uh, that was that was the only one that was an active war zone. But um, I went with Catherine Jenkins and mm. Gary Rhodes. Remember, remember yeah, Chef Gary? Yeah, I Gary, Gary Rhodes. Yeah. Gary gone now. He's done, mm, he died a couple sad. of years ago now. But we went over for Christmas, and uh, Gary was um, was going to do a load of Christmas dinners with a load of chefs teaching these way of doing it. Fantastic. And then uh, me and Catherine was going to do the show out there, which we did, and. Uh, it was an amazing um, experience. The whole thing was really... And my agent said to me, look, I'm not going to send you to Iraq and not go with you. If you want to go to for, for do this one... Um, I've done like 20-odd years of doing CSE before. Mm. I've never been to an active war zone before. So I said, yeah, I really want to go and do this. So well, I'll come with you then. So we fly to Dubai, first of all, which is great. And then from there, we had to go through military uh, aircraft. And I've done all that stuff before. You know, I've been in Chinooks and God knows what. I was flying around jungles and all the whatever aircraft they were using at the time. So we're in this Chinook to where the base was we were going to be working at. So we've got banders, four banders, like a 10-piece band. Uh, there's wow. myself, Catherine Jenkins, and the roadies, the tour people, and my agent as well. We're all sitting there. We've got um, 
camouflage stuff and we've got bulletproof vests on helmets. We've got the lot on. And we're flying around. It's all just, we were like a, having a, a jolly, basically, you know, back this helicopter. And all the drum kits and the musicians' equipment, all the sound equipment's in the middle of the Chinooks. So they're massive inside. So we've got the room for us. It's like a dozen of us. Then there's uh, all the band's gear as well. And then all of a sudden this, this alarm goes off and there's like a Belisha beacon goes off inside the area. We're going, missile alert, missile alert, missile alert. And we're going, oh, it's missile alert. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's missile alert. And we aren't really taking in what is actually happening here. And then they set some, what they call chafe off, I think, when they set these little fireworks off. They say, look, fireworks, these things off. Yeah. Uh, somebody set a mortar off onto us wow. from the ground. Oh, my and God. And then this explosion goes off. You go, oh, it's, well, I wonder what that was. And, we're going, and then the one of the blokes, you know, the RF people, comes out and he opens up this trunk and then he pulls out this tripod and he opens a side door and he sticks on this machine gun on the side of the door and then he goes out the side of the door and me and Catherine Jenkins are going oh look he's shooting out the wind in there yeah he is isn't he yeah yeah it's amazing isn't it and it was it was like you know watching a film yeah it was like Top Gun you go what this is so anyway we get to the place and we do the shows shows were great we get to the bases we got different places uh, we have to stay overnight, obviously, a few, few times there. And the, uh, the commanding officer says, we're expecting a mortar attack tonight. And so tonight, uh, you'll be in the officer's quarters. So if the alarm goes off, we are expecting, uh, because they know we've got visitors. If we've got, they know we've got visitors, they try and mortar us. So if it goes off, the alarm goes off, what we need you to do is uh, make sure you sleep in your flat jacket and keep your helmet no further than arm's length away from you. And if the alarm does go off, climb under the bed. So, okay, great. So he takes the room, and there's no clearance under the bed. It's about two inches under the bed. So, excuse me, sir, excuse me, but if the alarm goes off, um, I can't get under my bed. And he went, well, what do you want me to do? He said, well, um, where should I go? He went, just get in the fucking wardrobe. So, <laughs> oh, okay, then, fair enough, then. So we're, we're in bed in our pants and our flat jackets, helmets on the floor beside the bed. Of course, the bloody alarm goes off, two o'clock in the morning. Going, Is that the alarm? Bob goes, I don't know, is that the alarm? Well, I think it might be well, an alarm of some sort. Do you reckon that's the one? I don't know. <laughs> and the alarm's going up. What? Well, I don't know. He just says the alarm goes up. It's definitely alarm, Bob. What do we do? I suppose we just get in the wardrobe then. <laughs> so me and him climbing the wardrobe, two o'clock in the morning, in our pants, in a, in a helmet and a flat jacket, right? And we're sitting there for two or three hours. And it really stinks in there as well. I'm going, oh, no, Bob, what are we doing in here? In a bloody wardrobe in Iraq? <laughs> In their helmets and flat jacket and their pants, you farting. I don't know. And nobody come and got us out. The alarm stopped about ten minutes later, but we didn't know where to get out. Of it. So in the end, we just didn't got into bed. So when did it finish? Says, well, when the alarm goes off. Ah, oh, oh, that was about three hours know. before. I didn't know that. Yeah. So anyway, this leads on to the story about ventriloquist puppets. Yeah. So I was in Belize with Bradley Walsh. And Ray Allen and Lord Charles. Remember Ray yeah, Allen and Lord Charles? Yeah, of course I do. He was one of the best ventriloquists ever. Yeah. And you may remember his, his puppet, his dummy, was called Lord Charles. Silly ass. Yeah, that was him, right? And I did a few tours with Ray. I went to Falklands with him and his wife, and then we went to Belize. This one in Belize, as you know, it's in Central America, in the jungle. I was working with a load of junior rent soldiers out there, in the middle, literally in the middle of the jungle. And then you're out there for about a week, ten days. So you do half a dozen shows. You go from one base to another, get an helicopter. And some of them are right in the deepest, darkest jungles, you know, and they've got these um, huts and whatever. And, and um, we did this camp once, and there's myself, Bradley and Ray. And we were working to about, must be a hundred Gurkhas, hardly any English. Mm-hmm. So we've got our crew there at the back doing the sound and the lights, and then a couple of officers sitting in the back row, a hundred Gurkhas. <laughs> 
Uh, so Brad goes out, and they don't speak a word of English. They do, it's very pidgin English, very, very broken, so they don't really understand what Brad's talking about. So he gets off, he's comparing, so he ain't got to do a lot anyway. He's got to do five <laughs> minutes in between everyone, that's it. Ladies Where's and gentlemen, he, Joe Pasquale. Yeah, so then me and Ray have got to do the body of the work. We've got to do <laughs> half hour each. So he's, he introduces me, and they ain't got a clue. You know, it's a squeaky voice, gunk coming on, what is this? And so they get, start getting their cookery knives out the knife of the Gurkha, and they all start sharpening them, all of them. And they look like nearly everybody's got, you can see the glinting of the knife. <laughs> and I'm doing, yes, yes, la-la-la-la. And they're getting their knives out. They're pulling knives out of me. There's Andrew sitting there with these huge cookery knives, and it's glinting under luck. I mean, you can see it, because they're in quite a bit of darkness, but every now and then, you can see the glint of it going, shit, the knives out. <laughs> and um, you can hear the yeah, scrape. Yeah, you can hear the scrape, and Brad's in the wings, slicing his finger across his throat at me, <laughs> going, they don't like you, they fucking hate you, and doing all this at me. So, oh, no, 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 um, I don't understand this, but they, uh, to, to unsheath it, apparently, they draw blood before it goes back in. So they're all cutting their fingers when they put it back in. So, of course, I come off. Brad's pissing himself laughing at me. He takes me off. Uh, and they go, OK, special treat for you, gentlemen. Uh, you're going to love it. Here he is, Ray Allen and Lord Charles. Ray goes out. They haven't got a clue. They didn't have a clue about me. Even less of a clue of a ventriloquist. Never seen a ventriloquist before in their life. They sit there. Not one of them drew their knives. Not one of them, right? <laughs> Just for me. They sat there like they were kids that had never seen a television before, that had never seen entertainment before. They were mesmerised by him, absolutely mesmerised. Not by Ray, but by Lord Charles. Mm. Right? They sat there in awe. And at the end of the show, right, they all queued up. Every single one of them, they queued up and Ray sat at the front of the stage and they queued up to shake hands and say hello to the little man. Wow. They thought it was a little man that spoke. They didn't understand what ventriloquism was at all. So the next day, we go, we fly to a, to a base, another base, and we get there, and the commanding officer says, oh, sorry, you come all this way, but all our troops are out of manoeuvres. No show for you tonight, so you've got the night off. So we just sit there in the, in the bar and whatever, you know, have a drink. Yeah. And after about two hours, everybody relaxing, oh, we ain't got to work tonight, it's great. Just spend the night in the jungle. What a laugh this would be. Then he comes back and goes, oh, we've got you an audience. We've got you an audience. <laughs> We're going to fly in some troops from a nearby base, and so you can work tonight. Oh, great. <laughs> and unbeknownst to us, they didn't bother telling us, they didn't ask them. It was the same <clears throat> Gurkhas from the night before. <laughs> I died on my ass with the same audience two nights running. <laughs> They're like that. Oh, God. But they loved Ray again. Second yeah, time. and the moment you came on... Yep, yeah, he kind of slit his throat again. Oh. Yeah. That's cruel, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. Working the same or dying twice for the same audience. Well, I suppose it's like all something you've never seen before. If you don't work out how it's done... Yeah. You may well know how a trick sounds. You go, actually, this is really, really no, easy. If somebody said to you, that's real magic, that is, and you think, you're a kid, three yeah, years old. Uh, you know, like well, kid, they do believe it. Well, the kids do. You know, you know coin the idea. That was actually behind my ear all the time. A kid would believe it. Because children believe everything we do. Yeah. We <clears> believe everything that was told to us. And even now, we still go, oh, we still don't like questioning stuff. And we no. should. We should question everything, and we never do. No. no. All right, I'm going to put a ventriloquist dummy. Ventriloquist dummy. What's that, is that three now? That's three we've done, yeah. Three, OK. Um, so what's next? What's next for me is... Uh, are you right talking about the uh, military still all the time? Cause it might... Yeah, don't mind. I find uh, it fascinating. I've you? never done it. I'm not a great traveller. Right. So to me, the idea of, you know, you're going to put these things on, it's a four-day journey by yeah. truck and helicopter and you, you never get to change your pants and yeah. and it's in incredibly hot weather. Yeah. It sounds like hell. Yeah. I mean, you've got to be really dedicated you to have, want to yeah. do that for yeah. these people. Yeah, I think it's my, I, I got so much satisfaction out of doing the Iraq one in particular because it was an active war zone. I remember the next day I was walking around the base and uh, they were very young. There must have been, I don't know, early 20s, I suppose, 
Mm. It's really moving. There was a young lad and a young girl, and they both had the camouflage makeup. I said, what happens is you do the show. What's really weird is they come in, and we was in an aircraft hangar, so there must have been... 1,500 troops come in. There were yeah. Americans there as well. It was an American base, but we had a lot of British troops there as well. In this giant head aircraft hangar, I built up a stage in there, and they come in, and they've got their uniforms on still, and they've got their weapons, we've got the gun with them mm. as well, and they come in, and they literally sit on the floor like a junior school... Um, assembly. Like, assembly. It's like a kid's assembly, yeah. yeah. And they come in, they sit right close to the front of the stage, cross legs like that, they put their, their helmet between their legs, got their gun resting against them like that, and you literally do the show, 15 people sitting on the, on, on the floor like that. And, mm. and you go, wow, this is uh, it's a real eye-opener to what, what they do. And uh, and they're so tired as well. Yeah. They're so tired. But one of the most amazing things was, after we'd done the shows in Iraq, the next day we were walking about the base, and there was uh, two youngsters came up. I say youngsters, probably in the early 20s, a young lad and a young lady. And uh, they both had their camouflage makeup and they had the uniforms on the guns. Yeah, yeah. And they just said, to, uh, I said, stop me. So can we just say thank you for coming out and do the shows? So I said, no, this is my pleasure. Thank you. It's an honour to be asked to come and do this. So I said, did you enjoy the shows? So I said, no, we didn't see it. We didn't see the shows. So I said, why not? So it's because we was on duty. We was um, uh, outside and they were uh, looking for snipers in case they started picking people off as they were going in and out. And they were just hunkered down somewhere in, in the hills, um, just keeping us safe while we were doing the shows. God. And you, you don't, you know, for us as civilians going out to do that, you don't know any of that stuff's going on. You're really done. It's amazing. No. And for it to be such a normal thing to talk about. Yeah. Like, you know, we didn't see the show because we were up in the hills in camouflage. Yeah, in camouflage right? and looking for uh, snipers, yeah. yeah. And if we saw them, we would shoot them. Yeah, this is, yeah, it is that. Mm. And you go, wow, this, this is people younger than my kids. Yeah. And uh, they've got so much respect for them. Yeah. So my next one then, yeah. uh, you know, leading straight away onto it, is a red arrow, as in the aeroplane. Yeah. yeah, how exciting. I remember doing, um, it's a good big name drop here, right? I told this story, it's yeah. a huge name drop this one, but I've got to say, after I came out of the jungle, I used to watch Parkinson all the time, right? And I got asked to do Parkinson after I came out. Right? Mm. Guess who else was on? Like, oh my god! It was Rod Stewart and Penny Lancaster? I sat next to Rod. <laughs> I sat next to Rod Stewart. Can you believe it? Oh, your young self. Oh, I was like, your young self. I know. Yeah. I know. I loved. Well, I still love Rod Near. You know, but yeah. he was there, and it was just great. You know, and then and the story that I told because uh, before you do that show, that, that his son. Um, He's the producer, so you tell him, you know, so what do you want to talk about, and you do the show for his son, mm. right? And basically, you do, you, he likes what you do, or he don't like what you tell you, right? They tell dad that story, you tell dad that story, you tell dad that story, and that's it, so you do it twice. So I, I was doing some more troops show out in uh, Cyprus, and it was amazing again because you get, you know, the, uh, the Greek side, and then you've got yeah, the, the Turkish, Turkish side. side, and there's a no man's land in between. Mm. Anyway, to the shows, and that's where I didn't know until I got over there. That is where the RAF base, the Red Arrows, when they're not working doing shows, that's where they do that's a, well, the training because the weather's always good down there. Uh-huh. No, not always, but there's a lot better than it is here. Yeah. So they take the Red Arrows down there for the early part of the year for three, four months, do all their training. So we're doing the show for a uh, load of RAF lads, and one day the um, CEO of him was one comes in and says to us, uh, does anybody want to go up in the Red Arrows? We're doing a, a sortie tomorrow. Maybe <laughs> we'd like to come up. And everybody goes, everybody's eyes widened. But no one sticks around up except for me. Don't ask me why. My hand just went like that. That's because you like frightening yourself. Yeah. My hand just went, oh, I'll put it mm-hmm. up. And I didn't consciously put my hand up, but I just banged my hand. It was in the air. I went, OK, Joe, you want to do it? Yeah. So they gave me a full medical. But the one thing I didn't tell them was a couple of days before I'd went, to Cyprus, I'd had a vasectomy, so I still had my stitches in. <laughs> 
So that's fair enough that it won't have any bearing on flying no, down in a plane. Why would it? Why would it have any? None whatsoever. It's nothing, great. nothing to worry about with G-forces like that? None of that at all. Yeah. No, no, no. So, of course, um, I get suited up. They give me a briefing like that. And, the, and I'm in with the squadron leader, right? I'm in the back. So you're in the, in the back bit in the high position of the plane. Mm. And he's in the lower position, but he's in the front. Obviously, got control of the plane there. And it is dual control. You can fly it from the back or the front. But I'm in the higher position. So I'm up there. He's down there. I'm down the top of his head. Uh, and they give you the whole briefing. They say, OK, we're going to be doing this. But uh, for insurance reasons, uh, because you're a civilian, I, I can't take you into formation with the rest of the lads. We will be sitting above the formation and watching it because I'm, uh, you know, he's the one that's making sure they're doing everything right. Uh, he said, if we do have any problems with the aircraft uh, and uh, we need to eject, I would say eject three times. I would say eject, eject, eject. Then you, sir, you must push your, there's a handle underneath that red handle, whatever colour it was. You pull that handle as hard as you can. The canopy will explode and then the, you know, the eject out of the top of the aircraft. Mm. He said, I cannot eject for you. It's impossible for me to eject you out of the plane. I can eject myself, but I cannot eject you. You are the only person that can eject you. You can't eject me. I can't eject you. So I will say eject, eject, eject. It will be three times and then you pull the lever. If I say eject once, don't do it. If I say eject twice, <laughs> don't pull the lever. If you say eject three times, pull the lever. So I said, what happens if I don't hear you the first time? He said, well, I'll be gone. You will know that you should have gone by then. So right, fair enough. Okay. And then uh, they give me a briefing on the... Um, G-suit that we'll be wearing, so it's a proper suit, which I'd heard of G-suits, and I knew, roughly knew what it, what they were for. They inflate, they? <clears throat> Yeah, they inflate around the muscle groups, major, major muscle groups of the body, so they're um, basically it's like a green overall type thing, a flying suit, basically, you yeah. know, uh, but it's got all these little uh, bladders in, is the best way of putting it. So you've got some around the calf, uh, around the top of the legs, uh, around the muscle group there, uh, go around the abdomen around here, so we've got those abs there, and they go around, they inflate around the chest and the top of the arms, mm. around the biceps up there. And that's where these bladders are. And then you plug it into the plane, because it's all computerised, right? And then mm. what happens if you do some sort of manoeuvre, then the bladders will inflate, and what happens, it, it stops the blood passing into the muscles. It keeps the blood in the brain yeah. so the pilot doesn't pass out. So if you're doing a loop-to-loop, I think you're falling about 5 or 6 G, which is 5 or 6 times your own body weight then. Yeah. If you're doing a loop-to-loop, when you're going into it, at the top of the loop before you come out, you're five times, you can't even lift your head off the back of the seat. That's how heavy it feels. Yeah. So we take off, and um, what's amazing is that they have like a metronome in there. It's a clicking sound all the time. Click, 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 click. And you hear that going on all the time. Yeah. So we go, uh, smoke on, smoke off, like that. And so, But they're doing it on the click of the metronome. Right. So the next click is when it will go. So smoke on, click, that's when it goes. So, But the metronome... No, it's a clicking. It's going on all the time. And it means everybody that. does things in unison. In unison, exactly oh. what it is. That's what unifies the, the, the smoke. And so, anyway, we, we take off. We've already done the shows for them, by the way, so they know who I am mm. already. So they know I'm going up as well. But they don't know about my vasectomy or anything like that. So, of course, we take off. And they, they start taking the piss while they're up there. So this red one, they're doing my voice. And whenever they talk to us, they're going, well, smoke on, smoke <laughs> off. All this malarkey, right? <laughs> So anyway, we take off, and the speed of it taking off, it shoots you in the back of the chair. It's like being in Thunderbirds, right? It's amazing. And then you take off, and you're doing whatever speed you're doing and take off, I don't know, for 100 miles an hour, whatever it is you're doing. Uh, and then you're up there flying about, and then we just do a bit of joyriding, so we fly about a little bit, then we're going to go and sit above the boys, and we'll watch the display. And then yeah. they go off, they, and they go and land. They say, okay, sir, that's all over. Would you like to... Uh, do a few manoeuvres then, sir, because I'm um, a civilian. They still call me sir, which is always amazed to me when I'm out <laughs> and doing these things. They call me sir. What would you like to do, sir? 
well, um, I don't know, I don't, I don't fly planes, so do you want to just show, show me some things then? I went, yeah, uh, how about a barrel roll? So I went, okay, let's do a barrel roll then. Don't worry about anything, sir, just relax, okay. And he starts doing his barrel, literally spinning the plane. Wow. Right? And then he stops it, levels it out, and I'm screaming, right? And then he levels it out, and he goes, look at the sky, sir, and I look up. And he went, what colour's the sky? I went, it's green. <laughs> he went, yes, yeah, sir, it's not the sky. And I didn't even know I was upside down no. still. Turns it straight and flips it. Like, bloody hell, I didn't even notice I was still upside down. Because I was so discombobulated as it was. Like, bloody hell, we was upside wow. down for ages. Then he does a couple of other manoeuvres. And then uh, he says, oh, OK, sir, how about a loop-de-loop? Fancy a loop-de-loop? So I went, and but once again, I knew I was going to shit myself. Yeah. Yeah, this took my, you know, my hand goes up slowly without me knowing I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah, that's me. I'll have some of that. Yeah, come on then, let's do a loop the loop. <clears throat> oh, even there's bringing back the memories. So, oh. so okay. Well, what you do so is, uh, you won't do anything, but you want to tense your stomach because we get to the top of the loop. Okay. So, as we're, uh, we're starting going up, um, I can feel the bladders inflating around my legs, but I, I at the time, don't anymore, I wore boxer shorts. And of course, my nads now haven't gone down the side of the boxer shorts, they've gone down in between the bladder. As well. Oh, God. Right, so the, the bladder is now above my ball bag. <laughs> and my ball bag is between my leg and my bladder of the G-suit. But I don't notice my ball bag has gone down that low. So as we're doing the loop, loop I can feel the bladder inflating. And I can feel the pressure on my nad. <laughs> and I'm trying to manoeuvre my nad out and trying to do it. But, of course, we're doing the 2Gs, 3Gs, 4Gs, and I can't get my nads out. <laughs> And I can feel the pressure on it, and I'm screaming, I go, oh, my nads, my nads, oh, my nads, can we start, can we start? And he goes, sir, if you don't stop screaming, I'm going to turn you off in my ears, please stop screaming at me, sir. I can't stop screaming, I can't stop screaming. And he just turns my finger off like that, and we do the loop-to-loop, and I don't tell him until afterwards. And, of course, I, you know, only dogs could hear me by the time we landed. <laughs> And, uh, and we landed, he went, are you all right up there, sir? So everything was fine, except for, and I had to tell him, and they, I'd be to split the stitch, and they'd no. just sew me back up again, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, what was amazing as well, after we did that, I still didn't let him know until after we landed what had gone on, and um, he'd let me have a go of the plane. He let me take control of it. While you were up there? While I was up there. He'd, oh, yeah, my he'd God. He let me have the stick. Obviously, you know, I didn't have control, but he said, you got the stick, sir. You had the stick. Really? Would you like to have a go, sir? Yeah, I would. And, of course, um, <laughs> it was literally just... You just, you know, manoeuvred the stick, just a, a, the fraction, and the plane veered to the left and then to the right again. Anyway, landed, sewed me up, and the, the end of that, the tag of all of that is, I came home after that and um, got a pilot's licence. I learned to fly after it. I thought, if I can fly a red arrow, I can fly a plane. Yeah. And uh, I've still got, you know, I've got a pilot's licence, and I love it. And do you fly often? Yeah, I did. Uh, I've done quite a bit. God, what a brilliant thing. Yeah. There was a period of my life where I almost developed a phobia of flying. I got over it, but um, I've never quite got over my own vasectomy, which uh, my wife persuaded me to have. And the doctor said, it's all right, my brother's coming up for Christmas and he'll do it for you. And I said, OK. What, is he a plumber? Well, that's what I thought. Yeah. Uh, it turned out he was a vet. Wow. So I'm not sure it was completely legal. But um, so I went down to the surgery on Boxing Day afternoon after lunch and I lay on this bed. And his brother came in and my wife sat there, rather jolly, yeah. chatting with them both while he did my vasectomy. The next day when I woke up, I was black and blue from my yeah. knees to yeah. my throat. Yeah, you do take a bit of bruising on it, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so thank God I didn't go in the red arrows. Oh, yeah. That's unbelievable. It's what an amazing thing to have done, though, Yeah, it was. So, yeah. yeah. 
I'm going to put that memory into the time capsule for you. Yeah. So that's it. That's number four. Number four. Okay. Yeah, we've got one left. One left. Yeah, you ready for the last one then? Yes, please. It's a nice story, this. Um, this is the Queen. I want to put the Queen in the box then. Oh. I think she's great. I'll be really, really lucky when I look back at Sometimes I take for granted, really, um, a bit blase about the stuff I've done. It's not until you do something like this and you look back and go, well, I've done a lot of stuff and I've met a lot of people, mm. met a lot of great people. I've been to amazing places. I've done five Royal Variety shows. I've done a few things at Buckingham Palace uh, independently and they've all been an experience. I went once, she did one, it was about 10 years ago, they did uh, about 100 years of children's... Um, literary thing where they had all these characters from children's books over the yeah. past 100 years and they did it live from Buckingham Palace. Uh, it was directed by Trevor Nunn, strangely enough, right? And everybody was in it. It was just incredible. And I was playing the White Rabbit, you know, from Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. And um, Jonathan Ross was the fat controller. <laughs> Jerry Hall was um, one of the better, I can't remember, Cruella DeVille, I think she was. Mm-hmm. Ronnie Corbett was the BFG's butler. <laughs> uh, it was everybody, you know, at the time, it was uh, bloody everybody was playing these different parts. And it was all about her losing her handbag and Tracy Beaker had to get it back to her. And it was this thing about Trevor Nunn. And I never, just the fact of me drink giant seven foot white rabbit <laughs> yeah. being directed by Trevor Nunn. How did this happen to me? <laughs> And we was rehearsing in the afternoon, and it was a brilliant... It was about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. We were going live at about 6. And then, so I'd done my bits and pieces, and Trevor said to me, Joe, we won't need you for about three hours now if you want to just go and... Um, Eat some carrots. Yeah, do whatever you want to do, really. So I went, OK, but I'm in full costume, right, in in the grounds of Buckingham Place. And they had loads of um, uh, kids from orphanages and, and these different charity places that were... They had all these kids come see the show live as well. It was, it was a wonderful place to be. And they had on the lake... They've got a lake there uh, in Buckingham Palace as well, and they had a pirate ship there, and the kids could go... In the, the garden? Ship, in the garden, yeah. And okay. all the kids were coming down, having a picnic on the pirate ship so and it was so it was blisteringly hot as well and I was in this huge white rabbit costume my, my makeup was running there so I thought I'm just going to lay down somewhere so I, I'd go to this find this tree near the lake near the pirate ship and I'd lay down under this tree and I'd fall asleep giant white rabbit under tree <laughs> I don't know how long I sleep for but I wake up with someone kicking my feet and the sun blinding behind us I always see a silhouette of two people and I'm like that, and I've put my hand over my eyes trying to see what it is. And I can see there's two coppers there, you know, mm. and they've got machine guns over their shoulder because they had a lot of security there, obviously, yeah. for obvious reasons. And they're looking at me, and I, and I just looked at them, and I went, hello, officers, like that. And they just went, are you a real rabbit? <laughs> and I went, yeah. And they went, go back and sleep then. And they walked off. It was great. It was one of those moments go, how did... What's this all about? <laughs> so anyway, so I've been really lucky doing Royal Variety shows, five of them, and one of them, they had the Blue Man Group. Do you remember the Blue Man Group? I do, yeah. From America. There yeah, was amazing. a big show in, in Vegas, and um, basically it was three guys that literally painted themselves blue, and they did all this um, acoustic and uh, um, percussive stuff on stage, and mm. it was very audio-visual, and, and it was a great show. And they did a bit in, in the show as well. A segment where they'd played all these drums, but it was just literally painted blue. They're bold headed, painted blue in blue overalls, and they do this wacky stuff. So I'd, I'd been booked to do my, my act on it as well. But then they came to me and said, Look, we've got the Blue Man Group on as well this year, Joe. Do you want to do a bit of the Blue Man Group? Knowing that I was a fan of the show anyway, well, okay, do I? What do you want me to do? So, well, I'll, I'll let you talk to their producer and they'll, they'll come up with something that you could join in with. So I said, Okay, great. And anyway, what they come up with 
is they paint me blue, basically. <laughs> they paint me blue. Uh, I've got my dinner suit on, but they paint me, get a load of paint and cover me in blue paint. <laughs> and then they hang me upside down by my feet on a rope and swing me from one side of the stage to the other <laughs> on a giant 20-foot piece of canvas. And I hit the canvas and it makes some great big piece of modern art. <laughs> and then they were going to auction it off for the charity to go to the, the uh, to engine oh, house. Really? Okay, great. Yeah, my hand goes up straight away again. Yeah, yeah why not? So we rehearsed it on, I think it was on Friday. You do the rehearsals on Friday, and then you do the show live, record it on the Monday. So what they did, the paint that they used, it was based on it. They just got a load of eggs, basically, <laughs> and then they stick blue dye in it. So it was all sticky and horrible, right? Mm. But as you know, eggs, if you open an egg and leave it in the oxidises for about three days, it smells a fart, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, the eggs smell a fart, that's it. So they left it for three or four days. By the time we get to Monday, they've got the whole vat of blue paint that they've mixed up on Friday. They're not going to make another vat of this. <laughs> by Sunday, by Monday rather, it stinks of poop. <laughs> it stinks, right? So, of course, they literally cover me in poop, in fart. I smell of fart. <laughs> I am covered in fart, right? And they're covering this stuff, and then they hang me upside down, and they swing me from one side to the other, like that. Audience love it, great. I go upstairs. Now I've got ten minutes now to meet the Queen, and I'm covered in blue paint because right near the end of the show. So I run upstairs. I'm in the dressing room. Will, Will Young's in there as well, and Will don't know what what day of the week was going on. There's a bloke, Will Blue comes in. What's this? <laughs> so I jump in the shower. I still got the suit on, so I've got an old suit to put on for that bit. But I still stink. I smell a fart. I really do, and I'm going to meet the Queen now. Mm-hmm. I've met her a few times before, but even though you don't want to meet the Queen smelling fart, right? No, not again. Not again, anyway. No, <laughs> no, it's not a good thing. She forgive it once. Yeah, but twice. Oh, you smell a fart again. <laughs> not going to work. So she's come down the line and she said, you, you can't say mama's in bum, it's a mama's in balm. Mm. Okay, and that's what you have to say, mum, her mum, her mum, not mum, because you know, she's not your mum. They, they give you this whole speech, well, remember, it's not, it's not mama's in bum, it's mama's in balm. Okay, in your head you're going this little poem, Mum's in bum, bum's in bum. You say, which one is it? Do I say mum or do I say mum? And all that sort of shit. Or <laughs> do I say bum? Yeah, do I say hello, bum? Yeah. So she comes up there and I go, hi, mum. Oh, hello. And she takes my hand, right, gently takes your hand like that. And goes, Have you recovered? <laughs> and I, I went, from what, mum? From your experience at the end, upside down. Oh, yes, yes, thank you, mum. Yes, I'm okay. A little bit dizzy now, but I'm okay. Unfortunately, though, um, I'm minging, right? <laughs> And the queen actually goes, she goes, I'm sorry? So I said, I'm minging. I said, the paint's made from eggs, so I'm minging there. And she goes, minging? What's minging? Right? And I went, it just means that um, it's really smelly because the eggs have been out all over the weekend, they've been open there, and, and I'm minging, so I'm really smelly. And she had my hand, she leant forward and she sniffed me. How many people can say they've been sniffed by the queen? She actually sniffed me. She went, oh, yes, you are a bit whiffy. Like that, and she moved on. Brilliant. Yeah, so the queen's coming in now. Rightly so. I think so. How brilliant. Yeah. She always strikes me as being somebody who's forced all the time to be very, very serious about most things and actually has quite a good sense of humour. When you were to catch those little documentary things, she seems to be the one that sort of is wryly smiling in the background. Yeah, I think she's very intelligent. Well, I think that's a lovely thing to put in there. I've never met the Queen. I met Princess Anne. Yeah. And at the time we were doing Spitting Image. Oh, And, uh, yes, so she said, uh, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm in a... Well, at the moment, I'm doing a television show. She went, oh, yes, what's that? I went, um, well, I don't think you'd have seen it. She said, is it a spitting image? I said, yeah. She said, we have. <laughs> and moved on. <laughs> oh, I wondered if that was a royal we. Oh, it would have been a, it would have been a royal we. Well, Can I give you one more story about them? Yeah, do. Right, so I'm in the water rats. You know what the water rats are? Yeah. 
So I was asked to go to the uh, to represent the Walk Rats at Buckingham Palace with a, a, a really old time comic from the uh, musical days. Mm. And um, I get there and I said to my, my my wife at the time, I said, look, do you want to come to Buckingham Palace? Mm. Because uh, I've got to go and represent the Walk Rats for a garden party. She went, who's going? She says, well, um, Prince Philip is the uh, honorary member, so he'll definitely be there. She says, all right, <laughs> well, we're going to meet him. So, well, probably, I don't know. So she goes, am I allowed to smoke? So like, what? She said, can I have a fag? What do you mean, can you have a fag? Can I have a fag? It's just a simple question. Can I have a fag or not? I don't know. What do you want to find out? Because I can't have a fag, I ain't going. <laughs> I'm not going to phone Buckingham Palace and say, can my wife have a fag or she ain't coming? <laughs> well, they've got their ashtrays, haven't they? So well, I don't know. It's going to go in the garden. Well, can I smoke in the garden? Because some people don't like it. <laughs> so she hasn't got ashtrays. Why don't let me stuff it out on the floor, will they? Well, I don't know. So, well, Princess Margaret used to smoke, didn't she? Mm. I said, well, I don't know. I said, well, if you're not going to find out, then I ain't going to go. So I said, well, who should I take? So I don't know, take my mum. At the time, my mother-in-law was living with us at the time. So Pat, who was, you know, getting on, I said, Pat, do you want to go back in the palace? Because she was like that. She screamed with joy. Yes, I do. <laughs> okay. So she said, I need a dress and a hat then. So, of course, I take the blue board, buy her a dress and a hat. And I book a car to take us. So, well, let's do it properly. I book a car to take us up back in the palace. Now, in my naivety, I think that it's only me... Don Smoothie, that's this comic's name, me and Don Smoothie, right? And his wife was invited to go to represent the Walkrats. So I think it's just going to be me and Don, his wife and my mother-in-law, a couple of other people, having a cucumber sandwich with Prince Philip. Lovely. So we get in a little, little car, take us up to Buckingham Palace, drops off Buckingham Palace, and there's a queue of 3,000 people going around Buckingham Palace, around the mall. I'm going, oh, no, Pat, Pat, oh, no. She was getting on. There's thousands of people here, Pat. I, I didn't know where it was. I thought it was just us. And she went, oh, what do you want to do? She said, well, we've got to go now. Mm. So she huffs, oh, no. So OK, well, let's, let's just go to the back of the queue. Got, so I'll get the car to drop us off. And the, literally the queue was four deep all the way around Buckingham Palace. And we've got to go to the back. Get out of the car. We'll walk around, Pat. It's a nice day. We'll get to the gates of Buckingham Palace and they hear a voice go, Joe, Joe. And I look around, it's Father Andrew. Now, Father Andrew was the theatre chaplain of the Blackpool Grand, where I used to work. You know, when I worked in Blackpool, it was always at the Grand Theatre. Oh, right, yeah. And there, he's the bishop of somewhere. He's gone up, he's got all his green, his purple piping around his outfit, right? <laughs> and he's right at the front. He's right at the front. And we're, Joe, Joe! So I went, Father Andrew, Father Andrew, what are you doing here? Well, I'm here to represent, I'm the bishop of so-and-so there, and I'm representing this and that. And I said, so I said, what are you if so I'm with the water rats? So, oh, my God, come in, come in. Come on, jump the queue. So this must be 3,000 people. Jump the queue. He's like fourth at the gate. So this is my mother-in-law, Pat. Come in, Pat, come in. And you can hear everybody shuffles round the back, going, jump the squad, jump the squad, jump the queue, jump the queue. And Father Andrew, Andrew hears it, he goes, if anybody says anything, you'll go to hell. Like that. And everybody shuts up. Nobody says a word. Right? We get in the front, we get straight in. It was great, right? So it worked out. We get in there, we find out. Didn't see any ashtrays, by the way. But we get in there, we go in the garden, and everybody's kind of just piling in there. And they've got all these tents with food in. And um, basically, Princess and uh, the Queen and Prince Philip were there, right? And mm. so basically, they were the patrons of different charities. So there was three lines of people, like a thousand people on each line, yeah. and they were going to walk down the line that they were representing, you know, that they were honorary patrons of, and shake hands with each, you know, representative of it. And that's what they did. It must have been a hell of a day for them. Yeah. They must get so pissed off with this sort of stuff, right? So the Queen's going that one, Princess Anne's doing that one, and I'm this one here with uh, old Phil, right, coming yeah. down. 
And I with uh, Don Smoothie, I've met up with Don Smoothie and his wife, and uh, we're standing there, and um, Father Andrew, I said, are you going to meet him? He said, well, I'm not here to meet him, I'm just here as a, a, a you know, representative of God, so I don't get a, a, a meeting, <laughs> I don't get an audience with him, but I'll hang around with you, so it'll be great, it'll be nice, won't it? So I went, okay, yeah, whatever you want to do. So then Don Smoothie says to me, you know, I've never met him before, but it'd be great because... Um, a friend of mine did a show that he was at once, and I know what his favourite song is, and I'm going to ask him what his favourite song is. So I went, yeah, all right, Don, whatever. <laughs> and he keeps going, I can't wait to meet him because I'm going to, I know what his favourite song is. It's boiled beef and carrots. Because my mate actually, he sent him a letter saying, I saw you at a show once, can you write those lyrics out for me? And he wrote the lyrics of boiled beef and carrots, and he sent it to him. So I know it's his favourite song. <laughs> so I went, okay, Don, yeah, whatever. Oh, I can't wait, it's going to be great because I'm going to start singing boiled beef and carrots to him, it'd be great, and he's going to love it, I know he is. Oh. So I went, yeah, all right, Don, whatever. And he kept going on and on and on. Anyway, he starts coming down. And you can see he's had the um, we're, we're about three quarters of the way down. He's done 750 people by the time he gets to me and Don. <laughs> and you see he's, oh, he's got no patience by the time he gets to us. No. So he comes down and goes, uh, uh, sir, this is uh, the water apps, the representative of the Grand Order of Water apps of which you're a member. Yes, 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 uh, no, yes, yes, yes. Uh, hello. And he shakes my hand like that. Uh, sir, how are you? Yes, uh, very good, very good. Uh, and what do you do? So, well, I'm, I'm a water rat, sir. And what, 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 what do you do in the water rats? Well, um, at the moment, I'm what they call bait rat. We all have an office and I'm the bait rat. Oh, yes, what does the bait rat do? So, well, he, he organises a raffle, basically, and then he <laughs> sorts a food out because it's bait, and so you organise a food and you get the raffle. So, the raffle, so yeah, you buy a ticket, you win a prize. You went, uh, what sorts of prizes do you have? Well, last week it was uh, a DVD of Cannon and Ball, sir. And went, <laughs> really? Are they any good? Well, Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. that's nice. And uh, have we met before? So I went, yes, we have, sir. He said, uh, when was that? So, well, um, to be honest, it's been on five Royal Variety shows. He went, I don't remember you. <laughs> so I went, well, I don't suppose you do meet a lot of people, don't you, sir? Went, yes, but why would I remember you? So, well, last time I did it, I had a toilet come on stage, and it was a toilet that actually had a radio control toilet, and they had a duck come out, and I'd go, this is a toilet duck. And I walked over to you, sir, and actually said to you, it's a popular household cleaning product because you wouldn't do the household cleaning, really, would you? You wouldn't know what a toilet duck is. <laughs> and he went, no, what is it? So I said, well, it's like bleach. He went, no, I don't go near that sort of stuff. And he was very chatty at first. Mm. So at that point, my mother goes, he's very funny, isn't he? Right? He said, she says to him. And he just looks at it, he doesn't say a word. Right? He said, very funny, isn't he? And he goes, yes. And then Pat, my mother-in-law, she t- taps his elbow like that, goes, he's so funny, isn't he? And I went, don't touch him, Pat. And she went, he said, don't touch you. And she touches him again. So I went, no, really, Pat, you mustn't touch him. And she touched, she grabs hold of his elbow. He's so funny, saying I mustn't touch you. He's so funny, isn't he? Like, Pat, really, don't touch him. And she went, why mustn't I touch him? So Because there's a sniper on the roof up there. He'll shoot you in a minute. So he says, there's a sniper on the roof. He's going to shoot me. He's so funny, isn't he? And he's looking at her with so much disdain. And he grabs his elbow away from her and goes and just ignores me. And then goes to Don Smith. He goes, and who are you? And he goes, I'm Don Smoothie, sir, and I know what your favourite song is. It's bottled beef and carrots. He went, no, it's damn well not. He just turns around, walks off. I turn around, all I can see is Father Andrew on the floor pissing himself laughing. He's rolling about the floor holding his stomach. Representing God. Yeah, representing God. That's what it was. Yeah. Whole thing fell apart. But can you blame him? No, can't blame no. him. He must, he must have been so sick of everybody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so you got me talking about toilet ducks and him going about boiled beef and carrot and, and then, then my mother-in-law grabbing him by the elbow trying to drag him down. I've always wondered, I've never been to a garden party, I've always wondered if that garden, because it's absolutely surrounded by some of the busiest roads in London. Absolutely, yeah. So C- can't it, hear it in there, though. You can't hear it, that's what can't I want to know. No, can't hear it. It's like a secret garden. Yeah, it is exactly what it's the like. The sound just... It's, exactly, it's like being up in the Norfolk countryside, but it could wow. be anywhere, yeah. 
How extraordinary. Yeah. At least they've got somewhere to go where they can get away from people. Yeah, not, <laughs> not, not very far, though. There's always somewhere <laughs> following them, aren't there? But, yeah, right, the Queen, you're the first person to put any royalty into my time capsule. Yeah, well, there you go. But it's your time capsule. Thank you. You're very welcome. I really enjoyed this today, thank you. Good. It's nice remembering all this stuff, you know, because you don't yeah. normally pull this stuff out of the cupboard. You know, it's in the back of your mind, but you don't normally, you know, consciously think about those, those things, no. do you? Just things you've done in your life. I can picture you now, though, in those red arrows yeah. with them all taking a mickey out of you. You should have yeah. just started singing. I've got I know some of the on your nerves, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, happy days. Yeah. Thanks, Joe. Thank you, mate. You have been listening to My Time Capsule with me, Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my inexhaustible and brilliant guest, Joe Pasquale. If you enjoyed this podcast, and I'm assuming that if you've got this far you did, then if you haven't done it already, please subscribe to it. You just click on subscribe and then the podcast provider of your choice will send it to you ready to download whenever a new episode is released. Please do click on five stars, ignore the others, and maybe even write a short review, which I believe you can do on some providers, such as Apple. You're very welcome to follow and engage with me or my time capsule, in other words, John, the producer of this podcast, on Twitter, Instagram, and even Facebook, where we do our best to reply to most messages and questions and really enjoy getting suggestions for future guests. Plus, it's a way to keep up to date with all the things we're up to on my time capsule. The theme tune is available to download from Spotify, and as mentioned, John Fenton Stevens is our producer, and it was a cast off production for ACAST but it's available on all platforms, if that's the right word. And not a phrase you'd want a ticket collector to say, obviously. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As that would mean the train had come in sideways. Although it's still one of the most environmentally friendly ways to travel, isn't it? If anybody does travel these days. Actually, I'm thinking of getting rid of my car, particularly as I approach the free bus pass age. The car's getting a bit old anyway. Well, I say a bit old. It's so old it's insured against theft and Vikings. See you next time. Bye. <laughs>